Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Ben Harrison. I'm your other host, Adam Pranica. I think I owe you an apology, Adam. Uh, oh, no. This is an episode that we debated quite a bit about whether or not you were going to veto. And I, I talked to you off of the veto ledge, and then I watched it, and I really wish I had shut my pie hole and <laughs> let you veto it. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's interesting because when I watched it, I remember it being much, much better than I thought, than I, than wow. I remembered. Well, that's, uh, it, it may be my mind state. I've had a real, a real rough first uh, couple weeks of the month, and, uh, and I was also exhausted when I watched this. I, I got home after a very long and emotionally trying day and yeah. uh, plopped down on the couch, and we both sort of discovered that our schedules demanded that we watch an episode and record uh Right then and there. So I was like, oh, God. Isn't that fun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the demands of the show. Oh, but, uh, you know, I would, I, would, uh, I would much rather be doing this than letting a, letting a day, a published day go by without a new app for, uh, for the folks out there. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, should we get into this discussion? Yeah, why don't we do that? It's season four, episode two, Family. The ship is getting getting fixed up. It's in this like kind of octopus-looking space station in orbit of Earth, where the the station is like has like flexible parts that are wrapped around the saucer section. Kind of a neat-looking space station, I guess. Like a like a spider dock. Yeah, it's it seems like a bit like a similar idea to. The ones that you see in the uh, in the films, like when they'll when they'll go to space dock and see the the Enterprise parked there, except for those are, and those are like the kind of open air space docks, but they're they're big enough to have the entire ship inside, and this is only big enough to uh, wrap around the saucer section. Like I bet the the number of people that live and work on this space station is markedly less than the number of people that live on work on the Enterprise. Mm. I wish we got to see inside of that station a little bit, though. Yeah. Like, see some of the rework. Yeah. I mean, as it is, this episode is an exact opposite of the two episodes that came before. This is purely character work. Yeah, did you get the bends? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I really did. This, This starts... I mean... Next Gen gets knocked all the time for not being too uh, serialized, or maybe, yeah. I, and and like this episode is basically a third page to the two episodes that came before. One thing that that really broke the spell to me was uh, Riker refers to the Borg incident, which right. is like one of the all time downplays ever. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, the fleet has been wiped out, millions have been murdered, uh, yeah. Picard was kidnapped and then rescued, 
The Borg incident. <laughs> yeah. Let us not refer to JFK's drive through Dallas in the right. convertible, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Dealey Plaza incident. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe like Kevin Uxbridge calls the Hoosnock yeah. incident. Call, <laughs> the calls it the, the Hoosnock, Hoosnock incident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, Kevin, uh, what happened? What, what, what did you get into last week? I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> the Hoosnock oh, yeah? incident. Oh, you had a little incident. Oh, that doesn't sound too bad. What, what, what happened with them? I got a little bit out of control. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, well, Kevin, uh, you know, we all have bad weeks, but I'm sure, I'm sure you'll bounce right back. No big deal, right? <laughs> you... <laughs> I don't even know how to pivot out of that. Yeah. <laughs> this is an episode with kind of two bigish storylines and one little, like, micro storyline. The big ones are Picard and Worf meeting and dealing with their families that they don't get along with super well. And the little one is Wesley getting his hands on a hollow recording of his deceased father but there's like two scenes about that right like there's a scene where dr crusher finds the thing and then there's a scene where wesley watches it i don't think there's anything else of any significance that touches on that yeah and and micro c story is right i mean that's that's just the the briefest touch on what that is it's so brief that it it feels a little bit thrown away like this could have been uh elongated in such a way to be like a true sea story. Yeah. Well, I was reading on uh Wikipedia before you got on that um two two kind of interesting things about this episode. One was that there was a a lot of people on the production staff that thought maybe they would make best of both worlds a three-parter and that instead of this episode it was going to be like more hot hot borg action and the other interesting thing was that people were constantly submitting spec scripts to <laughs> tng about jack crusher like people like people that jack watch the crusher show. fanfic yeah like what and, is it real like, bodice rippery i guess i don't know but this is like one little piece of something somebody submitted on spec that they just dropped into this episode it's interesting that they had been tempted to push Best of Both Worlds into three, the Best of Three Worlds, I guess <laughs> is what you could call it, because yeah. I felt like Part Two was a little lacking, like that, like they were, they were, it was, it had some more filler than Part One. Interesting. Well, this episode is no killer, all filler. So maybe <laughs> they, maybe they had a little bit more filler in their system, and they decided to get it all, all out in one go. Yeah. I think in addition to the crew taking some shore leave, this episode, especially in the beginning, makes me wonder if some of the camera and production crew took some shore leave. (laughs) Like, did you notice a ton of camera bounce? Like, they dolly into Worf in a two-shot in this conference room, and there's some... There's some bounce on that shot. And then there's also bounce on the surface on some of the Steadicam shot. Like, much more than you typically get on this show. And it makes me wonder, like, how many takes do they get? Um, Would it surprise you to learn that this episode was nominated for a cinematography Emmy? Oh, really? 
<laughs> really? I'm not kidding. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I mean, good for them. All right. Should we talk plot a little bit? Yeah. That's what the people come here for, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cut all this out. Yeah. That and Picosby. Worf is working on the phasers when he like, you know, and he like reports into Riker, and Riker's like, "By the way, I'm looking forward to meeting your parents." And Worf is like, "Uh, what?" <laughs> he's he's real nervous about it because I guess they've just found out about the little uh, unpleasantness that he just underwent back on Kronos, where he uh, accepted discommendation. And um, I guess he, he kind of thinks his parents are a little dopey and doesn't, like, he knows that they're there to try and, like, be there for him, and he doesn't find that to be, like, honorable or sufficiently Klingon-y. I do not believe any human can truly understand my dishonor. Riker's position on this is really interesting to me because he's so encouraging of Worf to hang out with his family. This is a guy who, a season and a half ago, was ready to murder his father. <laughs> Yeah. Like on the ship. Yeah. So I don't know where you get off, Riker, uh, telling yeah. Worf he should be a little bit more uh, into the idea of his parents visiting. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe Riker is just, you know, he's looking at Worf. He's like, oh, this guy's going to do like, you know, he hates them. So he'll do some Anbo Jitsu. Could you, imagine what, could you imagine what <laughs> Worf would do to his poor mom with one of those giant <laughs> Q-tips? <laughs> he, he would emerge victorious. <laughs> His parents were maimed. Shitty parking. <laughs> yeah, so, and then the other setup is Picard uh, stuffing some deep Vs in a, in a way bag. and uh, The Troy... most uncomfortable duffel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a duffel that's really not going to lay softly against, against your side. Um, but uh, Troy is in there and is basic she's it's weird she's such a potted plant in this episode like she appears in a bunch of scenes and like basically is there to have somebody for the other character to say things to yeah it like might as well have been anybody else as if patrick stewart couldn't emote some sort of internal struggle like for the dopiest of viewers they have to have troy uh ask reflective questions of him and it's set up that like he's probably suffering from some pretty crippling PTSD after having been turned into the thing he hates most in the universe. He looks super tan in this scene. Yeah, like I wonder if that, that was part like of a his little, recovery. He's got a little scrapey scrape on his uh, on his forehead. Yeah, which is gone by the time he shows up in Franz. Rub a but, little uh, wine on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'll pop right back. So yeah, so Picard is going to go visit his his bro in French wine country and um try to try to have like a a calm village hang and for some reason that doesn't sound sufficiently therapeutic to to Troy. <laughs> yeah, Troy's really needling the shit out of him. Yeah. What you get when Picard is transported to France is a really nice exterior. A mm-hmm. real complex new exterior scene. That I think yeah. looked awesome. Yeah, they shot it actually outside. Um, he has not fun at little, a strip mall. <laughs> fun, 
Fun little interaction with uh, the son of his brother, I guess his nephew. Yeah. Uh, that's Renee, right? Yeah, and that was, like, they did that writing thing where where they write in a mistake piece of dialogue that one of the oh, characters yeah. says that, that I like. Like, that, that seemed far more sophisticated of a writing gag than you normally get on this show. Yeah, so I dug it. It, it was the wrong. It was the wrong word. It was like it, it was the kid saying, like, kind of spilling the beans that his father thinks Captain Picard is an arrogant prick, uh, but he doesn't know the word arrogant. So he he says like the first half of it, and Picard has to. Oh, I didn't like to, that part. I was referring to the nephew versus uncle uh, switcheroo that they were constantly doing to each other. That was like a running oh, thing. I got gotcha. you. I thought yeah, that was okay, cute. Okay, good. I thought that that other part, the arrogant part, sucked. Yeah, that was no good. <laughs> yeah. That was no good. Um, he, yeah, he weird, had that, a, he, weird that both of those things were in this in in the one episode. <laughs> this kid you know? has got that bowl cut lip Nicky vibe, you know. <laughs> he's just yeah, a he's, little too cute. Yeah, and you can tell he hasn't seen true tragedy because of the bowl cut. He's got yeah, a. There's, there's no pathos in a bull cut. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not. Did you recognize this kid, Adam? Uh, no. I I I uh, I am almost positive that this is the kid that plays Picard when Picard gets turned into a, a little boy. In a, I feel like in like a couple of seasons, there's an episode where like Guinan and Picard and like. Maybe one or two other characters ha- have like a transporter accident that turns them into children. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, and I think that this kid plays Picard in that. That sounds like an episode that we have to see. <laughs> and it's yeah. too bad that we can't confirm the suspicion that you have in any way. No, I wouldn't. I would never do research. <laughs> Come on. Oh man. Yeah, cute kid. Just like, just two feet over the line of too cute. Yeah. Picard rolls up on his childhood home and it's beautiful, as you would expect. It's palatial. There's a lot of regalia around. Yeah. And he meets the he doesn't meet. I mean, he sees cuz he's met her before, uh the wife of his brother. And yeah. and this scene was great to me because he, he only hints at how shattered he is, but to say that you're fine when you're not is Mm -hmm. like the one thing that everyone does all the time, constantly. But to act like you're fine when you're not is like the acting equivalent of a riddle inside of an enigma. Like Mm -hmm. Patrick Stewart is amazing at that, in this, at doing that. Like I, I really love this scene a lot. I do too. It makes me wonder like what the people of Earth no like how how much the you know i mean starfleet is sort of their military like how much the military has explained to them it would have been about... cool to get like the starship troopers paul verhoven like <laughs> style newsreel <laughs> thing out of the ashes of buenos aires comes first sorrow then anger the only good bug is a dead bug yeah borg on their way to earth yeah. Captain Picard, our hero. Would you like to know more? Yeah. <laughs> but like 
I mean, if they know everything, they know that Picard was almost personally involved in the elimination of humanity as a species and the Federation as a culture, right? What kind of fucking asshole wants to throw him a parade for that? <laughs> no. Yeah, they want to they give him the keys to the city. Uh, kind of awkward timing there, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> um, yeah, and like Picard is also entertaining like a job offer. Like the... The whole the whole deal while he's down on Earth is he's having major like heavy duty conflict with his brother who's conservative and wants everything to be agrarian and non technological and hates that his son wants to be a starship captain like like Captain Picard one day and Picard also like visiting with a buddy who is working on making a new continent on on earth and this guy is like wooing picard to to uh end his starfleet career to take up the directorship of this new continent project which sounds like crazy mad scientist shit if you ask me yeah, I don't know what could be so attractive about this job to Picard other than the idea that his chances of being reassimilated by the Borg are probably a little less when right. you're, when you're trying to build an Atlantis type continent. Or at least he won't be the tip of the spear when it comes to assimilation. I thought they did a great job with Picard's brother's character and especially his casting. This guy Robert has got just total resting prick face. <laughs> so you arrived at last. Welcome home, Captain. He looks like a guy who has played Scrooge in about a thousand stage plays over yeah. the years. He's just made for this role. He's got kind of like upper class Michael Caine thing going on. Yeah. Like if, if Michael Caine had like a fancier accent. Uh, if that's... Michael Caine had known nothing but tragedy his entire life. <laughs> yeah, but spoke like received pronunciation, you know. <laughs> Instead of uh, you were only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to say, Adam. Yeah. Um, please, but, please, please cut that out. <laughs> I don't know if I can help you there. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, like their conflict is is real heavy, and it makes me wonder. Like, has something? Did, did somebody wear Roddenberry down at this point to the extent that, like, we're going to have interpersonal conflict be, like, a main, like, part of the show? Because there was a whole lot of it in Best of Both Worlds, and there is a whole lot of it in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I wonder to what degree he was still, uh, he had his finger in the pie at this point. Yeah. Um Impossible to know, but... <laughs> Impossible to know without research. Yeah, right. People know People know what they're signing up for when they come watch this show. Yeah. It is the guiding principle of a Starfleet base. Have you can't find it within yourself to stand up, tell the truth, you don't deserve to wear that uniform. The A story is the tension between Robert and Picard, and this feels like a very familiar conflict that is even contemporary to today right it's like it's like picard is in picard's brother's eyes he is the embodiment of abandonment of all tradition and all 
of the old ways and you know he's he's just a slave to technology and uh like the most and, emblematic part the most emblematic example of that is like when robert says he doesn't want to get a replicator because it it ruins it ruins the flavor of his food like right these are conversations our parents had about microwaves yeah absolutely they probably just uh they probably just copy pasted yeah <laughs> script from the 70s about microwaves and and then did a uh, find and replace microwave to replicator um <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, Robert is uh, he's set in his ways, you know. He's uh, he fi- he finds all of this Starfleet shit threatening, and he only has one son, and his his one son is like more interested in that than eating filthy handfuls of grapes directly off the vine in the hot hot sun. How about the age disparity between Robert's son and Robert himself? Robert's oh an old man, and yeah, his he's, son he's is totally like, old dad. Is like eight or something, right? <laughs> yeah. What the hell, Robert? <laughs> Took in his time, you and know? it's not like his that... wife is is super youthful either. I mean, she's a she's a beautiful woman, but like she's an older woman. Yeah. Um, I guess when yeah, you live guess... on a winery, like anything goes, right? Maybe they're actually pretty young, but the 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 vino has really taken its toll, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> Meanwhile, up on the ship, Worf's parents beam up, and mother, father. His mom has got similar calzone hair to uh, <laughs> Leah Brahms. Yeah. Worf. His dad is a dead ringer for Daryl Hammond as Sean Connery in Celebrity <laughs> Jeopardy. You think you're pretty smart, don't you, Trebek? What with your dago mustache and your greasy hair? Oh, man, that's a great call. Yeah, the beard that cannot possibly be real. Yeah. I don't know what you were expecting Worf's parents to be like, but their Russian Eastern Bloc sensibility felt spot on to me. I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, mm-hmm. that sounds right. Yeah, it's. I don't know if they had ever established like what part of Earth Worf grew up on, um, or like what. I, I I guess his parents used to be Starfleet officers, but now they're like retired crazies. Is that basically what <laughs> that we're sounds supposed to about take right. away from that? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Dad's a little bit obsessed about his old career. Yeah, yeah. He's got like he keeps he tells anybody that'll listen about how he's got schematics for the Galaxy class ships all over his house and he wants to impress people by knowing which direction to walk to find a turbo lift and uh yeah and there and and Worf is just he's doing the kind of like exasperated 16 year old or like or he's doing the exasperated college student showing his parents around the college town like yes mom there's lots of restaurants on this street this is where all the restaurants are in this town the main way that Michael Dorn shows expression is by widening his eyes. And it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. Like, he could watch uh, an attempted murder on his brother. He could be receiving a discommendation on the Klingon homeworld. His parents could be annoying. In all of those cases, uh, Michael Dorn just widens his eyes as a show must, of emotion. You must let them see the fire in your eyes. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't say that to be disparaging of Michael Dorn's acting because it's got to be really hard to act with a loaf, right? Yeah, I mean, he does have 
a heaping helping of mom's meatloaf on right on the front of his face and uh i mean he's he's a good character you know i think uh i think he does a lot with it he's showing his parents around the ship giving them the tour like like a lot of people when their parents go see their workplace there's like it's a little awkward you introduce yeah. them to the people you work with they ask a bunch of questions right you know you, you sort of share the glance of what are you gonna do that's yeah. kind of fun one yeah. question oh, I had about... Uh, I just reported your son to HR because he got really aggressive with me because I showed up to work 14 seconds late. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is another reminder that... Why doesn't Worf have an outward-facing cabin? He's like a senior bridge officer, and he doesn't have a window to his quarters. Oh. Isn't that uh, weird? Yeah. He does have that cool uh, vanity chair, though. Yeah, the that, balls like, chair. Crazy, crazy balls chair with a a face mirror right next to it. <laughs> it's basically all stimulators. Yeah, it's like a nest of stimulators. Yeah, it looks pretty. Looks pretty pen- punishing, <laughs> and in terms of uh, what kind of whack off sesh you could get involved with on that thing. He's got the um, mirror nearby because he likes to see himself when he sits in it. Yeah, um, if the uh, Part of the tour is uh, he takes him down to engineering, and my heart leapt a little bit because one of the shots opens on a like a couple of hands close up fixing some isolinear chips because everything you know they're retooling the ship in uh, in the wake of the Borgs, and I was like, oh my god, is this if this is Jim Shimoda, I will be so excited, and then it's just some some rando. It's just some asshole and not Jim Shimoda. Yeah, fuck that guy, right? Fuck everyone except for Jim Shimoda. Think that guy's having fun? No way. No, he he looks super serious. He's not having any fun at all. Wonder what happened to Shimoda after episode two. Like, like as a I career. Know, they, like, do you yeah. think he was demoted worse than those admirals in Conspiracy? Because <laughs> that's not fair. Shimoda Maybe didn't have like, a nubbin. No, man, Shimoda's... I don't, I don't think Shimoda gets demoted. I think, I think Shimoda... He was also a contract laborer, too. So there are limitations. Well, he was the assistant chief engineer. Oh, shit, I guess he was. I thought he was wearing he, one of those jumpsuits that the contractors wear. He was, but maybe that was like a coverall. Like, he was he was doing something He was greasy. doing dirty work, yeah. Yeah. My fantasy is that, is that uh, Jim Shimoda retired from Starfleet, started a beach bar. <laughs> yes. You know? Or maybe like a swim up bar at a at a pool at a at a resort on Riza. That sounds so nice. Yeah, I think Shimoda. I think Shimoda would would fucking run that shit right. You know, he knows how to have a good time. If I opened a bar, I would call it Shimoda's. Oh, can oh you imagine God. all the cool shit on the walls inside Shimoda's? <laughs> <laughs> it's just license plates and isolinear chips. Yeah. Oh. It would be so good. I love the tiki drinks at Shimoda's. They have the best Mai Tais. If our show ever gets big enough, what do you think? How, how big do you think our show would need to be for opening Shimoda's to be just a an obvious business opportunity? <laughs> More obvious than it is right now. <laughs> oh, man. I wonder if Stuart Wellington would go in on it on it with us. Like, you know, that guy knows how to actually run a bar. Here's what we do, Ben. 
At hmm. Greatest Gen Con 2017, we have a pop-up bar, and we call it Shimoda's. Boom. Done. That is sold for $1,000. Oh, it's going to be far more expensive than that, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to go broke doing this, but we're going to have so much fun. Oh, we're going we're gonna to have a lot, a lot of fun. And we're going to get very drunk. All right, so back on the planet. Tensions between Picard and his brother Robert are increasing. And yeah. it's not helping that he's entertaining the idea of taking this job with, uh, yeah. with I guess, what we're made to believe is a childhood friend or an adolescent friend, like yeah. a friend of his from the way back. And uh, Picard's doing some day drinking because he's, like, really kind of... He didn't, he didn't come down to Earth expecting to be considering a major career change like this and so he's like hey it's a uh, it's 11:45 in the morning why don't i uh pop open some of the 46 and get get my day going you know when you're on vacation and, uh, a little day drinking doesn't hurt at all no um but uh but his brother who is at work joins him and then they like they have like a big walk out to to the edge of the grape field and this is like kind of an interesting long steady cam shot this is on the bouncing steady cam well it's pretty smooth it's not that bad i mean and it's it's a it's interesting lighting because they they let him walk through like a pretty shadowy a uh, couple of places on their way to their big fight and uh and robert is like needling him the whole time just yeah pushing him and testing him and testing him like you're unraveling a big cable knit sweater that someone keeps knitting and knitting and knitting and knitting and knitting and knitting and knitting eventually picard is like hey leave me the fuck alone and uh, and actually throws a punch and then they uh put on a couple of very sexy bikinis and get down into the mud and do some mud wrestling the scene looks like so much fun (laughs) <laughs> it does they're rolling uh, around they're doing that thing where they like pick up scoops of mud and fling it at the other person yeah i have a uh, good friend who is in the costuming union uh here in new york she works on films and tv shows and whenever she sees a scene like this and you know we're like watching tv together she'll be like oh my god because <laughs> because they probably had to have like six copies of the yeah. wardrobe from this scene. And, you know, those deep Vs aren't cheap, right? No, they don't pay for themselves. No. So, yeah, they, they're like rolling around in the mud. They get completely soaked from head to toe with mud. And then they like bust up laughing. And the, this laughter is like, it like opens the floodwaters for Picard where he is initially laughing and then he really starts to connect with the the horror of what he has been through and admits to to Robert that he is really horrified by by what he did even though he was powerless to prevent it you know he he was the instrument that the Borg used to cause a lot of death this scene almost made me feel guilty Ben because like we had talked we talked over the last few episodes and for the entire run of our show about how much we were craving 
a shattered character how much mm-hmm. how how uncontemporary the show seemed because it was lacking that and now we got what we wanted well i feel like they kind of this is all uh directing i am going to wager but i feel like this this scene with picard breaking down kind of didn't stand on its own convictions because he's his face is covered I I think that the mud that is all over his face really takes some of the wind out of the sail of this performance, and and uh, I thought it was a real shame because like the this this is like the scene that we came to to see in this episode, and and if they just you know ha- had him wipe some of the the mud away a little bit, I think it would have been ten times as effective. I actually came down on the other side of this. I thought. Like Patrick Stewart's acting in Mudface, <laughs> which is unfortunate, but like I thought he was super affecting, and it's the same challenge that Michael Dorn has and LeVar Burton has, you know, trying to emote something heavy while having most of, if not all of your face covered is a challenge, and I thought Patrick Stewart was able to get through that for me at least, but I could tell that it, it wasn't as effective for you. Yeah. It just, I don't know. It's, it wasn't an A plus. Uh, Robert's wife comes home and finds a hilarious track of mud prints across her floor. (laughs) Like it looks like they brought in like a bucket and re-mudded their feet every single step that they took. (laughs) It was like a late, 80s Capri Sun commercial setup. Like mom comes home from the grocery store. She's like, "Kids, what are you doing?" Like muddy yeah. footprints leading to a bigger mess. Yeah, and it, it starts. Was a you know, it is it, it was very camp. It, it starts on the uh, on the tile floor, but goes across onto the like fancy carpet. And uh, you know, this like Chateau Picard is like it's no joke. They got nice shit in there. This isn't replicated stuff. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So they 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 fucked some some real stuff up, and uh, they should feel bad. But they're very drunk. <laughs> yeah, they're just having fun. Just a couple of brothers getting up to no good. This is kind of the the scene that seals the deal. Robert and and Jean Luc, uh, buddies once again. Yeah, they they've uh, they've brokered a peace, and it really came from like. Robert had a ton of pent-up jealousy about Picard and his career and his success. Mm-hmm. And for his brother to sort of admit weakness, to admit the the hugest loss could, that one could possibly endure while still surviving it, uh, sort of broke that dam between them. I mean, yeah. uh, Robert saw his humanity again, and it brought them together. It humanized him. The dishumanizing of Picard humanized him to Robert. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah. And plus plus when he saw that Jean-Luc is no sexier in his bikini than Robert was in his, you know, he was like, all right, you know, you're not totally perfect. Well, I mean, Picard's not, Jean-Luc's not making babies like Robert is. <laughs> Robert's still got bullets in that gun. I am cute as a ball. 
computers aboard. There are four lights. So I think this is where we cut to the scene with Wesley uh, watching the holographic tape that his father made him. And I guess the premise is that his father had this idea that he would record little hollow tapes for Wesley uh, all through his childhood and then, you know, give it to him at some point, but uh, wound up buying the farm way before that project could really get underway. So there's only one tape. And so this is a an artifact from when Jack Crusher was a new father and is taping this for baby Wesley. And it's a pretty like, it's a pretty like saccharine speech, I thought. But uh, I thought Will Wheaton did a a good job of, uh, you know, some kind of wordless acting showing him, showing him dealing with this. Do you think Beverly is a bad mom (laughs) or do you to rephrase that question do you think beverly's reluctance to tell wesley about the existence of this log up until now like do you think that was a good decision on her part or or a decision that you support i i suppose neither of us can judge neither of us are parents but no well i do have a cute dog right um, I don't know. I feel like he's kind of old enough to deal with it. And she sort of half claims to have forgotten that this existed when, uh, when she pulls it out of the box. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't really have a strong opinion on that. Hmm. I don't know. I, I think it's time for her to stop protecting him. He has been an old soul his entire life. Like give him Give him the stuff he's supposed to have, you know? Don't mm-hmm. don't withhold because you think it's going to protect him. I just thought that was kind of lame. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so, yeah, and then just to wrap up the Worf storyline, it is indeed true that Worf's parents wanted to be there to console him about his discommendation. Uh, Guinan kicks it to them about how Worf really loves them despite the fact that he would never admit it to them. And uh, as he's like walking them off the ship, uh, they they bump into Captain Picard and they get to meet Captain Picard and that's really fun for them. So that is the exciting conclusion of the episode. Oh no, there's that one last scene where they, uh, where Robert and Marie are, are, looking out the window at, at Renee, who's, who's like chilling out under a tree, under a tree, like looking up at the stars, right? Yeah, the, the final scene of this episode is basically the DreamWorks logo. <laughs> and that's yeah, it. it it's, a, it's a very sentimental episode, ultimately. Darmok, Angelad, and You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized 
to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Did you like it, though? I think I think my mood may have factored in big league, but uh, I didn't I didn't love it. I, uh, I I found myself being more annoyed with it than enjoying it. How about yourself? Uh, it was better than I remember. I think when I saw it the first time as a kid, as like a ten year old. Yeah, I don't think I could really understand, like how deeply it was addressing the indignity of what happened to Picard. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I think maybe you just need to be older to grasp. 
you know? Right. At the time, it was like <laughs> there was a mushroom cloud that had just occurred on the show, and I was like ready to fill that vacuum with more action shit and to get a third chapter that was quiet and weepy and occasionally right. funny was was disappointing to me at, a time, at the time but uh right now i have to admit that i liked it fair enough ben you've hey, often a- said like during tough times that this show acts as a kind of salve for you does yeah does it work that way when it's a disappointing episode also like is it like pizza when it's still when it's bad it's still pretty good yes absolutely like but I, you know I'm, I'm i'm not usually picking the episode you know i i my uh especially you're playing before, a little random trick aren't you no before we started this show my my way was to just be working on an, one of the series at any given time you right. know um and uh uh yeah i don't really skip around so um so yeah, like it doesn't really matter what the episode is, like if if I if I want to watch it. Speaking of Random Trek though, uh I was just on an episode of Random Trek. The uh the podcast on the Incomparable Network, uh hosted by Scott McNulty, and I had a lot of fun. And uh if you're interested, go search iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using and uh search Random Trek. We oh. talked about an episode of Enterprise, and I also dished a little bit about the history of our show. Oh, cool. I got to I gotta say, uh, a bunch of our viewers told me that you were on that show. That was how I found out. And a number of them <laughs> were concerned that, uh, that you were cheating on me. Oh, no, no. I wasn't cheating. You don't want to break you, up a happy home, Ben. I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll go on Random Trek someday. Uh, we'll see about that. Not if it's an Enterprise episode. <laughs> I will veto that. I don't know if you, I don't know if you're allowed. I don't think that's how random trek works, buddy. So many rules. Yeah. Uh, random trek is uh the show that probably most prevented me from starting a Star Trek podcast initially because I was like the premise of that show is so good that I don't know if I have anything to add to Star Trek podcasting. Little did you know how much you had to add. <laughs> how many fart jokes, how many dick jokes. It was really lacking, all of those things. Yeah. We're doing good work. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a Drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I sure did. Drunk Shimoda is the award we give to the character that's doing something silly or having the most fun. And... uh my drunk Shimoda in this episode is for the mayor of La Barre, France, <laughs> who wants to uh, wants to have a pretty party for Locutus of Borg. <laughs> Give him keys to the city. Uh, I was just thinking about like I know that like this is a future where people are honest and intellectually conscientious, but I, can, um, I can't imagine that the people of Earth are not feeling fairly traumatized by the image of Jean-Luc Picard right now and to, like, put him on a float and take him down Main Street <laughs> in your little village seems so insane. 
It so is. And can you imagine? I wish him? we had met that character. Oh, I wish we had met that character. I feel like it would be easy for Picard to uh, RSVP like uh, parades are irrelevant, <laughs> <laughs> keys are futile, like like fall into that that old pattern that he was in the last week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's my that's my drunk Shimoda for this app. I, I, I a rare off screen drunk Shimoda. I it becomes even more rare than that, Ben, because we pick the same Shimoda. And they're no both way. off screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought nothing was more ridiculous or tone deaf than that decision. <laughs> that is, it's insane. Yeah. I can't think of an equivalent, really. No, it's, it's, uh, it, it's real weird. I mean, I guess, I guess they're trying to tell us something about like what the people of Earth felt about this and they're like a hundred percent ready to forgive Picard, but, uh, Based on my experience in contemporary life, I cannot imagine that, you know? It's interesting to me that Picard's family doesn't betray any of that at all. Like, there is not even a whiff of, you almost killed all of us. Right. There's no resentment about that, even from Robert. Yeah. Like, the source of Robert's resentment is Picard's success. It's not that he almost murdered everyone on Earth. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, like it dovetails with Robert's suspicion of technology, right? Right. Like, oh, you went and got, like, sucked up into this lifestyle where (laughs) you got turned into a technological terror. That's what happens when you use too many microwaves. Yeah. You become one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so silly. Yeah. Yeah. Good Shimoda, Ben. Good Shimoda, Adam. What do we have coming up on the next episode? The next episode is season four, episode three, Brothers. After being summoned home by his elderly creator, Data clashes with his evil brother, Lore. Do you remember this episode, Adam? God, the first two episodes of season four cast such a shadow that I think it's going to take me a while before I get to episodes that I remember again. This is one that, yeah. uh, that I don't recall at all. It uh, makes me realize that Data did not appear at all in the episode we just reviewed. Yeah, that's right. He has no one that's to visit weird. on Earth. That's kind of sad. Maybe maybe they were just offshooting. Cause, so Brothers, he plays Lore, Data, and Nunyan Soong. Uh-huh. So he's, there's like scenes where like three three Brent Spiners are on screen at once he's, uh, uh, interacting he's clumping, with each other. Huh? Yeah, so so maybe they just like maybe they were just like off somewhere filming that stuff because it's so complicated to film you know, just timing and special effects wise. Just to be clear, yeah. you're thinking that this show filmed two episodes concurrently? Or not concurrently, at the same time? Yeah, I, I, I mean uh I don't have anything to base that on other than I know it is really hard to make that type of scene work. Yeah, so yeah. maybe they maybe they were like, hey, let's just write data out of episode two so that we can really like make episode three work. We're going to cover him with a bunch of loaf in another episode. Let's give him a break. <laughs> yeah. So vetoes are reinstated, obviously. Uh, do you have any temptations surrounding this episode? I think it would only be responsible for me to veto an episode that I remembered. And I don't think <laughs> it would be fair for me to use one on one that I didn't. So okay. I'm going to keep it in the pocket. 
I remember kind of liking this episode, so I will not veto either. All right. Fair enough. A bunch of people were expecting me to veto Best of Both Worlds Part 2. Yeah. I mean... Uh, people were expecting me to also. I, and, uh, I enjoy doing crazy shit with my vetoes, but I'm not a monster. <laughs> no. Come on. You're, you're first and foremost self-serving, and people wouldn't <laughs> like our show if we didn't get through both of Best of Both Worlds, right? Right. I, I'm chaotic fun. And that would just be chaotic <laughs> cruel to do that. Yeah. My love is a pipa longing till for that which longer nurses You know what is the opposite of cruel, Ben, is the great amount of support we receive from our viewers uh, who go to maximumfund.org slash donate to contribute to the production of our show. Yeah, it's uh, it's easy and fun to do, and it really helps us out. And uh, uh, a lot of people tweet at us, why don't you guys have a Patreon? We have a Patreon, and it is MaximumFun.org slash donate. Uh, same exact principle. It is you giving us a small amount of money on a monthly basis to support the production of this show. And every little bit is deeply appreciated by us. And, you know, if you if you support... You get to uh, listen to this show knowing that you're helping make it. That's right. Uh, there's a couple other ways to help support the production of the show, too. Uh, you can buy a T-shirt. You can buy mm -hmm. a Jumbotron ad, otherwise known as a Priority One message on our show. And uh, we are very appreciative of any reviews that people write or leave on either the iTunes site or anywhere else. And yeah. uh, tell a friend. Tell a friend to listen to the program. I think, yeah. uh, I think it... I think our show is a lot better than its description. <laughs> you can tell your friend that. You gotta believe me. <laughs> it's a great show. Everybody knows it's an amazing show. It sounds terrible, but it's really terrific. It's very grabby, but people <laughs> love it. Uh, those it. jokes are as much tragic as funny at this point. God, yeah, no kidding. Uh, we've got to thank our uh, the people who make the music of the show. Uh, yes, one of them being one of them being Dark Materia, who is the creator of the Picard song that acts as our main theme and interstitial theme. Uh, yeah, it's it's a character in our show. Yeah, and uh, our uh, our priority one music is made by our friend Adam Ragusia. Go listen to his podcast, The Pub, uh, from Current Public Media. It's great. I listen every week, and I really enjoy it. It's the uh, truth. It's much smarter than this show. I don't listen to many other podcasts, but I listen to that one. Yeah, so good. And with that, we will be back at you next week with a another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that is probably having a toga party because it's all about fraternity. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.